Good morning, Boker Tov. Buenos dias. Sabah This is Shanna Fold here with the Israel Daily News Podcast. I'm here to give you the headlines so you can get caught up quickly. You're listening, so you're already on top of your game. Survive and thrive, people. Knowledge is the best weapon. Today is Wednesday, November 4th, 2020. And I am in Washington, D.C., covering the election exit polls. I'll give you some updates from D.C. at the end of the show. Now, let's get to the news. This Tuesday, the southeastern African country Malawi vowed to open up a national embassy in Jerusalem by next summer. The country's foreign minister, Eisenhower Makaka, delivered the news during a trip to Jerusalem. It'll be the third country with an embassy in Jerusalem, following Guatemala, which was the first, and the United States, which was the second. This marks the first African country ever to move the embassy and ultimately crown Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Makaka and a majority of Malawi's population defended the proposal. The foreign minister said this important statement testifies to the depth of relations between Israel and Malawi and will lead to their continued strengthening of the cordial relations between the two nations. Israeli Minister of Foreign Affairs Gabi Ashkenazi commented on the agreement, saying, I want to congratulate Malawi on this historic decision. I look forward to your embassy opening soon, and I am sure that more African leaders will follow this decision. A lot of changes are coming our way in the Middle East. I am learning new things every day and sharing them with you. We are really living through history, my friends. Today, the United Arab Emirates Fly Dubai airline announced that it will start offering flights to Tel Aviv at the end of this month. This comes after Abu Dhabi gave its final okay to an agreement with Israel that will exempt tourists from both countries from needing a visa when visiting each other. Neither Israel nor the UAE will need visas for their citizens when visiting the other country. Whoa. That is big news. Starting November 26th, the low-cost airline will start selling tickets for a twice-daily route between Tel Aviv and Dubai. The start of scheduled flights will not only increase accessibility to the UAE, but also to the Indian Ocean, Far East, and Africa. The visa exemption agreement still must be ratified by the Israeli cabinet in Knesset before it is implemented. Last month, Israeli airline Arkea announced direct flights to Dubai starting at $149 a pop for a one-way ticket. Arkea said daily flights are going to start on January 3rd. The Israel Defense Forces, or IDF, announced on Monday that they will be opening malls, office buildings, and other public places as testing centers for COVID-19. This is an attempt to reach more of the Israeli population and to identify infected people who never get tested and unknowingly spread the virus. The military also unveiled another plan to help the government and home front commands fight with covid The plan will have IDF troops at local army bases assigned to different municipalities to assist on testing sites only in that town. Previously, they were moving from place to place, so now they are going to stay in one spot. Next week, coronavirus units will be assigned to 37 different municipalities, with more towns expected to be added in the future. 
Now, here's an unusual story I found. The state of Israel is set to pay millions of dollars to a man whose family says he should have never been born. 9.2 million shekels, or $2.7 million, is going to come out of the pockets of the Israeli government, as well as Klalit's health maintenance department. Klalit is one of Israel's socialized healthcare sectors. The 27-year-old disabled man, whose name I have not found, has cerebral palsy, intellectual disabilities, and schizophrenia. His brother is his caretaker and legal guardian since the mother died in 2011. She too suffered from schizophrenia and had her son unexpectedly at 43 years old. Lawyers say doctors in this case had been negligent and did not catch the major issues of her pregnancy during routine tests. They did not perform standard genetic testing or notify the mother that abortion was an option. She should have been notified because doctors knew that she was not mentally well. Well, that's just a real interesting story. If you have any comments there, please send them my way. Today, Israel is dealing with the aftermath of major storms from Tuesday night, which caused damaging flooding across the country. A tree in Nesiona in the center of the country was hit by lightning and lit on fire. Police received multiple calls to help people stuck in flooded cars, elevators, and homes. Rescue teams in Ashdod worked to free people who were stuck in a building. One couple was trapped in their flooded car and suffered from mild hypothermia. They had to be taken to the hospital. Flooding also caused traffic lights to malfunction near the Yagur Junction and opened a sinkhole in a road in B'nai Brak. Rescue services were called for residents in Hadera in 15 different locations. A minibus full of people was stuck in a flooded area and passengers were rescued by a boat. Despite this mess, or balagan, as we say in Israel, there are thankfully no reports of serious injuries. More rain is expected throughout the day, causing concern that there is going to be more flooding in the center of Israel. We're also expecting an increase in wind speeds and a drop in temperature down to an unusually low temperature. Now, last year, there was a very, very tragic story of a couple who were killed in a flooded elevator. They were not able to be rescued in time, and I really hope to avoid a situation like that again this year. We cannot afford any more mishaps like that. Okay, now for the moment that you've been waiting for, I am in Washington, D.C., awaiting election results. I want to share a little bit about what I've experienced since being down here. Now, in a usual election year, there would be a big convention center filled with supporters of each party as the votes come in. But due to COVID-19, President Trump is at home in the White House with his immediate family waiting for the results, as is candidate Joe Biden waiting with his family and close friends. Press at the White House are usually huddled in a small press room called the James S. Brady Press Room. I actually posted a photo of myself in there on my Instagram, so you can see that. That was very cool. But because of COVID-19, only pool press are allowed in. That means that a small set of newsrooms send in a cameraman or a presence into that room and then share the footage with all the rest of the news outlets. The idea this go-around is to prevent uh, overcrowding in the press room. So just a few people are allowed in at a time. Now, this was my first White House experience, my first time coming in as a reporter. All the news crews were set up under green tents outside on the lawn. It is not so spacious, and there isn't actually much activity happening down there. So after I cleared security, took a walk around the White House lawn and press area, made a few friends, 
I decided to get the hell out of there and hit the streets. You can't keep me from the people. I want to know what the people think. So I left and I actually met one person who recognized me on the street. He said that he recognized me from the Israel Daily News podcast. How cool is that? I took him for a live Facebook video that I did for the Jerusalem Post. Now, I also spoke with people on the streets about how they were feeling about the election, if they knew anything about Middle Eastern politics and how they think a Biden or Trump presidency would affect that. Many said they came downtown to see if stores had actually boarded themselves up in anticipation of violent riots. The answer is yes. All of the stores on 17th Street were boarded up Big and small stores, they were nervous of windows getting shattered. Okay. What's your name? My name is Lila. Um, what are you what are you out and about doing today? Um, I just wanna go see what it's like down there. I'm I'm very curious. I just wanted to check out the scene. I've heard a lot of stuff and speculation about what's gonna happen today. And I just wanted to see before it got too crazy. Are you worried at all about your safety? Um I definitely am, but I think that if I'm smart and I stay inside and just stay out of places that might be dangerous, then I'll be okay. I think it's all just about knowing your areas and your surroundings and staying out of what seems potentially dangerous. Okay. Now, how are you feeling pre-election? I was just talking to my roommate about this. I have a lot of anxiety. I voted for the first time in this election because it was the first time I was able to, and... I feel like millions of people's futures are riding on this, and I've just had a pit in my stomach kind of building up to this, and now that it's here, I, I, it's kind of surreal. Like, it's, I, I don't know. I don't even know what to think. I'm just hoping for the best. And Did you vote today? No, I voted. I did mail-in voting in October, so. Okay, great. Um, I wanted to change the conversation a little bit. Do you know anything about the Middle East or about how th- these elections might affect Israel or Israeli policy? Um, I can't say I know much. I know Donald Trump's stance on Israel and Jewish people, and I know that it would probably have a negative effect on policy with the Middle East and Israel. I know his stance on the Middle East, and I know that... I don't support his stance and what he thinks, but I don't know much about policy with that Um, or anything. What do you believe his stance is on the Middle East? Well, I know that when he first got elected, he put a ban on Muslims, and he said pretty offensive things about people from the Middle East and Muslims and Jewish people, and he's our president saying that type of stuff, so it's pretty dismal. Okay, great. So, um, what's your name? David. What, what are you up to today? You're walking down the street in D.C. So my wife works downtown uh, and she noticed a lot of things were boarded up yesterday. So we wanted to kind of come down and see what was going on before maybe the nonsense started. Uh, we we're going to walk down and look at the Black Lives Matter street. Uh, just kind of see what's going on this afternoon. Um, great. And how are you feeling? What's your feeling today? How are you feeling about the election? Anxious. In what like, way? like I've been for the last <laughs> six weeks, four years, really. Uh, I am hopeful that Donald Trump loses, uh, but I don't, I can't bank on anything at this point because anything can happen. Um, now, are you, do you know anything at all about the Middle East or have you, there's a, there's a few things I'll present to you. 
Um, there have been a couple of Arab nations that came out with a normalization and peace with Israel. Um, it, the election here affects Israeli policy a lot. Do you have any thoughts or ideas on that? I have to be honest with you. I don't follow it a lot. Um, I heard what you've discussed of late, some of the, you know, countries coming out with agreements with Israel. Um, honestly, I haven't delved into it as to if that's good, bad, or indifferent uh, for Israel or for us or whatever. There you had the voices of the people. Now, later on in the evening, I cleaned up and headed out to cover some demonstrations. I followed a strong anti-establishment, anti-police protest down the road. There were hundreds of people dressed in black with black umbrellas. The demonstration filtered out into what is now called the Black Lives Matter Plaza. There are pictures on the wall, music playing there. I tried at first to speak with a group of people But when I told them I was covering news for the Israel Daily News podcast, they mocked me to my face, said they wouldn't speak to me. The group even moved away from me as if I was sick. They said they did not want to talk to me because I was from Israel. One man asked me if I cover the occupation. I said, I cover all angles of news coming out of Israel. I cover left. I cover right. He said he didn't want to comment, and everyone actually turned their backs on me. So that was kind of sad. I think that people forget that we're all human. But then I moved on, and I met a friendly couple of young men who told me how they felt about the election. One even had a little knowledge of the changes that we've seen in the Middle East under President Trump. Let's hear from him. Can you tell me your name? Isaiah. Tell me... You know a little bit about the Middle East. Which candidate here do you bit. think would be best for peace in the Middle East? I believe that would be Donald Trump. He's already moved the embassy, you know, to, to Israel out of, uh, what is it? Out of, tel- from Tel Aviv. Tel, tel- Aviv to Jerusalem. Yeah, 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 Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Uh, yeah, so like, even just that act, of which hasn't been done in a very long time, shows that he at least, you know, is, uh, he at least cares about the topic and is, is willing to, you know, uh, talk to people on the other side to you know see what they would recommend and like you know try to make peace in the middle east so i mean like just that alone kind of shows me like what he's about do you know anything about his peace plan that he put out to specific for the middle east for israel for israel specifically no i do not he put out a peace plan Mm -hmm. um a proposal Mm -hmm. in writing about how he thinks that the land should be distributed and who should be where Uh um Do you think that if a Biden administration comes in, they're going to keep his plan and... No. (laughs) I feel like any plan Donald Trump implemented in his four years as president, they will try to uproot any plan he made, no matter what the topic would be. So, no, I don't believe that they keep that. Just just out of principle, they they try to uproot it. Do you think that there's a lot of anti-Semitism in the left? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Tell me why, why. I just know... At least from the Obama administration, because I'm pretty young, so I'm only 24. But uh, from what I know from the Obama administration, before I could even vote, they weren't really even willing to really have those talks with the, you know, the Middle East. So like just that alone, and like you know, trying to make those strides in his four years in office already, shows me that he's at least willing to talk to those people and like you know, try to get things moving in the right direction. So, 
That's what I believe. What do you think about these normalization um, plans that have come out? The UAE announced that they are going to make peace with Israel. The mm-hmm. Kingdom of Bahrain announced that they are making peace with Israel. Sudan. Right. These are all countries that formerly said that they would never make never. peace with Israel well, until there was a two-state solution. Right. And that's, that's a great thing. I mean, if, if we're moving towards peace, you can't argue that. So that's, that's what I believe. And I feel like there should be peace among every nation. So if that's the move, if that's the move we're moving in with Donald Trump, then I support Donald Trump. At the present moment, candidate Biden is in the lead with 238 electoral votes and President Trump with 213. The candidate who will win will need to get 270. Now, this is a very close race, neck and neck. A hundred million voters came out early to vote early. And these numbers are coming out from the Associated Press. All right. Well, I'm headed to the White House now to do some Facebook Lives and capture video for my Instagram feed. You can follow me at Shanna Fold on Facebook or on Instagram. You can also check out the Jerusalem Post's Facebook page where I did a series of live hits for them. I've been a freelancer with the Jerusalem Post, which is a historic newspaper. I've been with them since I landed in Israel in 2018. Well, that's it for today's news. Today is Wednesday, November 4th. There's a lot of rain today in Tel Aviv in the central city. There's a low of 21 degrees Celsius and a high of 24 degrees in Tel Aviv. That's 69 degrees Fahrenheit for the low, going up to 75 degrees. Here in D.C., it's a bit chilly. Don't forget to subscribe to the Israel Daily News podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're hearing it from. I am everywhere. You should also know that if you want to support me or you want to support the show and all of the work that I've been doing, staying up all night, waking up early, writing, reading, producing this show, doing Facebook Lives, you can support me. There is a link in the show notes. You can click on that link in order to support me. You can send over some money. You can send a monthly payment of $5, of $10. It's of your choosing. I would greatly appreciate it. And I'm working very hard. I'm going to send you off today with a special version of a song that you probably already love by Idan Reichel and Trip L. It's called Ve'im Tavo'i Ilai. I love it. Have a great and productive day. <laughs> Thank you.
שם מבטיח שאף פעם לא תהיי לבד ואם פתאום תיעלמי, אחכה כל הלילה ואלחש בתפילה שאליי תוצאי ואם תבואי אליי, נשאר כל הלילה ואלחש לך מילים שתדעי שאני שלך ובבוקר תראי, נשאר ביחד הולכים את הדרך הזו לתמיד יד ביד ואם תבוא 